When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forged in the fires of atomic devastation, we seek to reclaim the relics of our once great civilization. With our hearts as strong as the armor we wear, no one dare stand against us, for we are the Brotherhood of Steel. Ad Victorium, brothers. I am Paladin Paris, and joining me today is the noble knight Lawrence, along with a scribe from another clan in our order, one with information that may shape the very foundation of our mission. From Vault Boys WV, a man simply known as Dave. Do I have to do the voice? You can. Is that a requirement? (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty fun. It's required. Well, maybe, maybe my West Virginia accent will come out a little bit um, in the recording of this, so you'll hear, hear some colloquialisms as I go about. That'd be great. Thank you for joining us, Dave. Well, no problem, guys. I really enjoy the podcast. I like all the work that you guys are doing, and so uh, we've we've done a little bit of collaboration on my podcast, and so it's nice to come on yours and yeah. talk a little bit about this fantastic game. Absolutely. So our topic for today is the Brotherhood of Steel and a little bit about their background, their evolution, the organization that they are today, and whether or not, you know, this is the best version of the Brotherhood that we see in Fallout 4. But real quick, Dave, uh, could you please like tell us a little bit about your podcast? Sure. So I've got I've got a write up here a little to get you in the mood here. So (laughs) behind every game, as you all know, is a story. You're listening to Lore Party, so you already know that. But what's the story behind the story? What influences the tales spun by writers and designers? Well, what if we took your favorite series, Fallout, and told a story about its inspirations? Better yet, what if we took on telling the stories behind the yet-to-be-released Fallout 76? But how can we go that in-depth with a game that's not released? So, my name is David Chavins, and I'm a bona fide Appalachian geographer. It's a silly name, I know. I've asked my friend Austin, who's a local photographer, and journalists to join me in discussing a multitude of tales from West Virginia and how they relate to Fallout 76. We cover everything from Thomas Jefferson's obsession with West Virginia sloths to the connecting ghost stories that surround both the Beast of Grafton and the elusive Sickle Man. The show is called Vault Boys WV, and we're on Apple and Android with new episodes every Wednesday. So if you like, if you like kind of you know more Fallout, you'll want some more Fallout lore. Give us a subscribe. Give us a little listen. Uh, we've got weekly content, Fallout 76, every week. Fantastic. Awesome. There you go. Did my mama proud. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into a little bit. Um, so for those of you that don't know, the Brotherhood of Steel is a faction that you encounter in the Fallout franchise. Uh, originally formed by Rob Roger Maxson. He was a captain in the United States Army right before uh, the explosions that end the world, you know, the nuclear devastation. He was uh, in charge of guarding a uh, facility in California, 
called the Mariposa Military Base, uh, and they found he found out while guarding the base that he was actually uh, guarding scientists who were creating a forced evolutionary virus, or FEV. Those of you who've played the game before, uh, that might sound familiar to you because the FEV is what turns everyone into super mutants. Nice. It's actually what leads to the master in Fallout 1. When Maxon finds out about this, he actually, uh, him and his men, they desert the army, take over the base, kill everyone, and basically declare themselves uh, independent from the United States government. But somehow they fail to mess, to get rid of the forced evolutionary virus. Yes. Well, that's actually interesting because they, they thought they wiped out the only supply of it, but turns out that there's actually several caches of FEV being experimented on all across the United States because, you know, when I'm working on a dangerous, deadly virus, I like to spread it out into as many places as possible. You have to be redundant with a lot of that stuff. Right. You know, if you're doing that research, that dastardly mad scientist research, redundancy is key. And tec- technically it worked. That's true. I mean, I'm not surprised given the Fallout's uh, nature of making horrible experiments as far-reaching as possible. But yeah, so they um, basically the United States government ignores them when they declared uh, you know, desertion from the army. And then before anybody can actually do anything, the nuclear apocalypse happens. So... Maxim and his men were like, okay, I guess we're going to, we're on our own now. And they all decided that they wanted to set out and collect all the technology they could find in order to help rebuild civilization. That was their original mission was to, you know, collect technology and help rebuild America, essentially. And I mean, that's their basic philosophy is that they wanted to collect all technology they get their hands on, keep it out of the hands of people who would use it for evil, like the ones who ended the world before. And essentially become the shepherds of the new world in a, in a sense of, you know, collecting their own technology and keeping it out of the hands of anybody else. So essentially, they're like the parents that have said, you know what, you've messed with these Barbies long enough. We're going to take away the Barbies because you know what, you all have torn all the hair and limbs and markered their faces together. If by Barbies you mean ICBMs, then yes, absolutely. Same difference, you know. You know, for some children, yes. Uh, you know, a lot of people have said uh, they're, you know, in fa- you know, in each version of Fallout, you seem to see a different version of the Brotherhood of Steel. For instance, in uh, the first Brotherhood, they're a very staunch, idealistic group. And then in games like Fallout Tactics, they kind of lessen their restrictions a little bit. You know, in the first uh, iteration of the Brotherhood, they only, only if you were born into the Brotherhood, could you be a Brotherhood of Steel. You, they did not al- allow outsiders. But then... That kind of lessened a little bit. So how many people were in the original Brotherhood of Steel if they were that restricted? That is a good question because the original Brotherhood of Steel uh, was only, you know, the captain, his soldiers, and then their families. Right. And how many soldiers would you have? I'm, I'm not that familiar with, with what, what's current for what you would hold domestically uh, at military bases and such. Would it be like 50 or 100? Like, and are they like 50 families at this base? Like. What's going down with all that? That's my question. Yeah. So from what I can look up, um, a command from a captain would be about three to four platoons of soldiers. So a good amount of people then. Yeah, and then then that include any families or survivors that they picked up along the way. And so why were they so reluctant to take on outsiders when they seem to have this whole, like, I don't know, they seem to want to shepherd humanity. So why, like, reject humanity at the same time? 
I think their their original goal is, uh, you know, it was more of like a we can't trust anybody outside of this room because they're the people that blew up the world in the first place kind of mentality. Right. I think that it's interesting because they have very unique core values um, that I think are almost similar to <laughs> what we know as like college fraternities. Um, <laughs> that they are number one. They're as far as what I've seen and experienced. Their number one value is the first uh, word in their official name, which is brotherhood. And so that's like something that they've established that it is a truly a, a brotherhood in the larger sense that they're all connected by this shared experience. And with that comes rules and tradition. I mean, it does make sense, especially if, you know, the apocalypse just happened. You only want professionals with you in that right. scenario. Because who would you trust? Exactly. And the other two that I that I that I have here are um their, their number three value the thing that they value uh, a third is uh, technology, <laughs> <laughs> and then under technology and this is kind of like if if all three have been achieved then being generally helpful is <laughs> is a value but not something they particularly value. I'm sure yeah, they if they were walking along the road and they see they see two people one of them's like. I'm a technician. The other one goes, I'm a farmer. They're like, uh, get out of here, farmer. Are you a technician? Come yeah. here. <laughs> farmer gets shot. <laughs> farmer right. gets shot. So, you know, while the values are the same, you know, it's, it's kind of like, a, it's, it's kind of like a fraternity. Like they're all values based organizations, but man, they screw up a lot. You know? They yeah, really do. <laughs> they do. Just like a fraternity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I feel like they also, I don't know, kind of like group of friends fashion splinter off quite frequently as well mm-hmm. um i've noticed that I, I feel like every time this group splinters um they get further and further from the uh, main goal or the i guess the main ideologies of the brotherhood of steel right minus the technology and i feel like it's not really about their ideals at that point it's more of like a survival thing like you know he who controls technology in a um like primitive land is the, the most powerful I, yeah, that would be their, their modus operandi, which is very interesting because when you find them in Fallout 3, uh, their main antagonist is the Enclave, which I would argue is almost uh, a mirror to them. You know, they're a bunch of soldiers running around in power armor who are viciously trying to snatch up all the technology that they can get their hands on. Right, and it's a question for me of do they want the technology just because of, of the, the power, the power it grants and that element of it? Or do they truly believe that humanity has utilized this technology through the great war and this, you know, n- nuclear devastation uh, to an ill degree. So they're not worthy of wielding this technology. Like, are they so like con- caught up in their mantra that they truly believe that only the brotherhood uh, can control that technology that humans in general people of the greater wasteland shouldn't have access to that which i feel always still feel like is kind of ironic seeing as i i do still kind of indirectly blame the brotherhood of steel for super mutants yeah i could i could see why you would do that so how how is that how is, how does that work I feel like they didn't, I don't know, I feel like they could have done more to stop the forced evolutionary virus in the situation that they are in. Well, uh, according to like the newest way the, that Bethesda has explained everything, uh, there was no way they could stop it. Because like we said earlier, there's just 
forced evolutionary virus apparently everywhere in the United States, which is really, you know, some people call that bad retcons. I call it uh, just, you know, it's I a, call it the American government being the Oprah of bad experience. Exactly. Experiments. Yes. You know? I will accept you get a that. virus and you get a virus. <laughs> Everybody gets a virus plus nuclear radiation at the same time. Yeah. Yes. And that's the whole, that's the origin of the super mutants is that the forced evolutionary virus combined with the radiation to give us what we lovingly refer to as super mutants. And, uh, you know, in Fallout 3, the, the, one of the main missions of the Brotherhood of Steel, which is the East Coast Brotherhood, East is Coast. to attack the super mutants and, you know, to, to wipe the super mutants out to protect the people of the wasteland, which, you know, that was, that was a different mission than we see the Brotherhood of Steel in previous games and in Fallout 4. In Fallout 4, we see a return to their more of brotherhood versus everybody kind of attitude. So it seems like in 3, they put being helpful above technology in their values list. They were like, okay, <laughs> new rankings this time. <laughs> we're going with a brand new ranking, and this is where that will stand. We've still got the brotherhood. We've still got tradition, except this time around, we're going to be more helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we can't totally ignore you guys, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, it's Abu. I'm a producer and host here at Lore Party. This is the time I'd normally take to talk about sponsors, so maybe I'd tell you about that particular mattress company, or I'd let you know about this delivery service that brings easy-to-cook meals right to your doorstep. But since we don't have any sponsors, I figured I would just take this time to tell you about the series that I produce here on the show. My co-host Brett and I produce episodes about The Witcher. We deep dive into the lore and the stories and the characters of both the games and the books. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, be sure to check out the Lore Party feed and look for the Witcher episodes. Okay, enough of me interrupting this episode. Back to what you were actually here to listen to. You know, what is your first impression when you encountered them in Fallout 4, Lawrence? Like, as someone who, uh, you know, isn't as familiar with previous iterations, what did you think of them when you first encountered them? Um, I thought that they were a group of people who were prepared to do anything to survive. And, you know, like like I, I mentioned before in, like, previous episodes we've done on Fallout, like, they were way different from uh, the, uh, oh, crap, what are they, the Minutemen? Yes. Yeah, way, way different. Oh, my God. Like, where they're like, peace and justice. You have, like, these guys that are like, no, we're in a, you know, a fucking wasteland. Like, we need to do what we need to do to survive. So, like, they should be hostile around strangers. They should be, like, like strong and unwavering in their, their like, kind of conviction to survival and gathering technology and, like, making the Brotherhood of Steel as strong as it can so they can accomplish their goals. Now, Dave, as someone who's played Fallout 3, what was your first reaction? Like, were you expecting friendly Brotherhood Elder Lions, or were you, like, were you shocked when it switched up? Well, my first impression was, uh, how do I get the power armor now that I found them? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the key thing. I was, I was excited, um, because after, after playing 3 and then and in New Vegas, it's like, okay, so now we're kind of getting this, you know, these factions that are, that are integral to the series. Um, and I was pretty happy about them and what they were doing. And you do a bunch of missions for their recon team, but then you start playing out this character storyline with Paladin Dance. And um, 
it turns out that they are a, a lot more discriminatory uh, in this iteration than they were in 3, which I wasn't used to, but a lot of people that, that had played previous series were familiar with. But that came out in full force, even to their own members that they had within their group. And I didn't like that one bit. Because you know what? They're, you know what their top value is? Brotherhood. And they did not follow that. And th- you know, when you're in the Brotherhood, you, you ad victorium, ride or die. But what if you're a dirty synth? <sighs> See, that's the thing is, <laughs> is, is, you know, what th- that's the question that, you know, Westworld and Fallout 4 are trying to ask is, you know, what, what constitutes conscience and what are humans, you know? Although I, I, I will say that uh, the synth production very similar in Fallout 4. <laughs> I, I was a little freaked out by that when I noticed that. Yes. I was like, wait a minute. But aren't the synths just a um, like a personification of man's inability to utilize technology for the greater good from the Brotherhood's perspective? If I was personally um, in the Brotherhood of Steel, like Fallout 4, I would probably be like, these are you know, these like dirty synths. They kind of go against everything that like that Brotherhood stands for. Yeah, I would say. I would say that you have pretty, like the Institute itself and the Brotherhood are very similar in the fact that they want to control technology, except the Institute wants to progress and build technology while the Brotherhood just wants to have it and keep it locked away unless they use it. I mean, I would say, you know, that's, that's a big thing is that they pretty much defeated the Enclave in three. So then they had to look for a new opponent and it basically just seems like they just look for anyone who has technology Mm. that isn't them they just seem to want to always attack people who aren't them well i mean the institute was also doing some pretty uh depraved shit oh yeah no but i mean it's it's kind of cool fallout 4 does a great um way of like you know you if you decide with the brotherhood you end up doing some pretty pretty foul things for them i mean thing i can think that first comes to mind for me is when you uh you join up with the brother and they're like, hey, we need you to go to these farmers and appropriate some of their crops. And you're like, well, what does that mean? And they're like, eh, just bully the crap out of them and steal them, essentially. Force them to give you our crops. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem like a very noble thing to do. Yeah, that's my qu- that's my question is when you put it in when you put it in absolutes, like, would you define the brotherhood as settlers or raiders? Um, I'd say that they are in a sweet, sweet gray area in between. <laughs> they are that I like to call survivalists. So you would argue that they're 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 adapting to their world, right? They've gone past the. Uh, I mean, I guess they're they're in a, a bad area in terms of like they're not trying to be better than their surroundings, which I think that like as a brotherhood you know, having their values, that should be something that they strive to do is like, you know, be better than their surroundings because they think that they are better, I guess. At, at least that's the way it comes off. For me, it seems like that they are like the uh, white collar raiders. Um, <laughs> ah, where, that is a great... Where they they want particular things, just like raiders do. You know, raiders will come in and they'll take everything. The Brotherhood just wants these specific things. Now, most people don't have an amass of technology, but if you do, they're going to come and take it from you. And they may ask nicely at first, but if you don't say, yeah, sure, they're going to come and get it no matter what. <laughs> With power So armor. for me... There's no, there's no like settlement building. It is literally the same mind fret of mindset as um, the Raiders, where it's like we've got to go collect our wealth, 
by any means necessary and bring it back. The only thing about the Brotherhood is they look fancy and they talk better. (laughs) (laughs) That is an excellent point. I I like that. I like that idea. What sets you apart, Paladin? I talk good (laughs) and I look pretty. Fair enough. Here's my Me, coins. Buzz Lightyear. Me, talk good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, they are just Buzz Lightyear. That's so true. Oh no, I don't want to have that image in my head now. <laughs> well, it, you know, some people have pointed out that uh, Paladin Dance sounds oddly like George Clooney oh, or, um, or Buzz Lightyear. And I'm like, I can see the amalgamation of the two. I really can. I think he has that like Boy Scoutish personality and like military optimism that... <laughs> Buzz Lightyear does, and it's kind of funny to to, to relate Buzz Lightyear to military optimism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar personality structure. Absolutely. Hey, it's Abu, executive producer of Laura Party. Before I close out this episode, I wanted to let you know that there was this entire 20-minute discussion that got cut from this episode where Dave laid out this incredible theory about why he thinks the Brotherhood is definitely going to be in Fallout 76. We'll release that as a standalone separate bonus episode. So be sure to check that out on the Lore Party feed. But as always, if you enjoyed this episode, maybe take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us grow the show. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. We also have a subreddit at r slash lore party where you can join in on our discussions. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.